if you bite it and you die, it's poisonous. If it bites you and you die, it's venomous. What if it bites me and it dies? That means you're poisonous. What if it bites itself and I die? That's voodoo. What if it bites me and someone else dies? That's correlation, not causation. What if we bite each other and neither of us die? That's kinky. <laughs> I like that. I'm glad. You know what? I'm glad I messed it up because we got here. Welcome back to the Bug and Rug podcast. As always, my name is Caitlin. As usual, I'm Whitney. And today we're going to bring you another story that may or may not keep you up at night. Hopefully by the end of it, we will all still be able to sleep as snug as a bug in a rug. But only time will tell. And maybe our special guest will tell us as well. Hi. (laughs) Welcome to the table, Anna. (laughs) Hi, nice to be here. Thank you for coming. I appreciate it. I've been wanting a guest host for weeks <laughs> well i do have a guest host it's you i guess i've wanted a different guest host for a while now i'm a guest host <laughs> yes i've been demoted when we went to that drive-in drag show last night and they kept calling each other co-hos ah. so that's what i'm gonna call you from now on my co ho that's fine <laughs> i'm a guest co-ho not anna though, that's disrespectful <laughs> no we wanted to come back <laughs> it's true that's true that's true so as i was saying before this Whitney did wake up from a deep slumber with this story just in her head. So, really, she could not sleep as snug as bug in a rug. So, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see if we will be able to afterwards. Yeah, I woke up and wrote a three page story because I couldn't, I had to purge it from my body. <laughs> I can't hold this information in by myself any longer. You will suffer with me. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> I tried to ask her, like, what genre it was Mm -hmm. like murder or whatever and she went kind of and then i asked something else and you're like i don't know kind of and i was like i don't know what you mean (laughs) give too much away (laughs) a magician never reveals their secrets (laughs) well they do on that one television show that was like magicians reveal their secrets does anybody know (laughs) it was a masked guy and he went in and he's like i'm not gonna show my identity so nobody gets mad but i'm gonna show you guys how all of these tricks were done because i'm sure that the nobody's seen that but i bet the people in the magic community hate that yeah we're very Mm -hmm. mad yeah they're like just because you figured it out doesn't mean you share with everybody else right that's why i kept the mask on although i don't think they'd care that much means you have to find new tricks though that's true yeah Mm -hmm. Getting, keeping them on their toes, making them think creatively. Like David Blaine, who just sits in a box for eight days. It would be <laughs> wild. Like I think if I ever go to a magic show, I'm just going to yell, I saw what you did there! <laughs> they would probably yell back, okay, then you did yeah, it. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Like, then come up here and recreate it. It's like you heckling at a comedy show, and then the comedian's like, okay, come, you want the mic? Like, come tell jokes. Like, it's your One turn now. One more word, I make you disappear, buddy. <laughs> oh, God. That's a vague threat. <laughs> That's not so vague. It's not vague. Not it's very all. specific. <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness. So today for our episode, 
Um, we're not talking about magicians. Sorry to disappoint you. I am now a little disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Um, we're going to be talking about Carl Patterson Schmidt. Uh, I believe it'd be Dr. Carl Patterson Schmidt, but he was a herpetologist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which, for those who don't know, because I didn't prior to this morning when I looked it up, is a branch of zoology concerned with the study of amphibians and reptiles. Um, they specify that this excludes birds, which are studied by ornithologists. And I'm making this clarification because um, the article that I read basically said a lot of times people who study reptiles and amphibians also study birds, but this is not what Carl Schmidt did. Okay. So... During his career, Dr. Schmidt worked as a scientific assistant in herpetology at the American Museum of National History in New York. I've under other natural well- history? Uh, yes. I thought you said national. I heard national, too. <laughs> <laughs> natural history. He worked at a national history museum, too. I'm getting excited. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so this was the Natural History uh, Museum in New York under other well-known herpetologists Mary Cynthia Dickerson and... Gladwin K. Noble. Nice names. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gladwin. I will name my first child that. Okay. <laughs> I like Anybody that. else? I don't Very noble of you. I like her last name. <laughs> okay, very funny. But... This is not the museum I'm mad at, right? That's the Smithsonian. Yeah. Okay. Why are you mad at the Smithsonian? Because, because bones of giants were found... And they were sent to the Smithsonian, and the guy that was in charge of the Smithsonian at the time basically said, we aren't saving anything that is from peoples who are not white, so they got rid of them. Oh. It was counter to the narrative they were trying to... This was a long time ago, don't get me wrong. And also, also some people said that people thought they were giant bones, but they were actually dinosaur bones, and so when they were actually classified, it was, like, dinosaurs and mammoths and not giants. Yeah. Mm. Cover stories. Basically, conspiracy theory that giants existed. Yeah. Basically. We did an episode on it. I don't know what number, but... And I got very heated at the Smithsonian. She got real mad. (laughs) So, no, not the Smithsonian. Uh, so during his career, he worked at this uh, museum in New York with other herpetologists. He was known during his long career for using a number two pencil to write scientific names on specimen jars, which can still be seen in some of the museums where he worked. He, oh, I was like, why are you bringing that up? But it's just like a nice. <laughs> he, the people are like, you're not going to use a pen or a mark, like you're using a pencil. <laughs> yeah, you can very easily rub <laughs> off. Right, erase what you're doing. it. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Uh, he meets some. But if you misspell it, though, you, you know, just erase it. Erase it. <laughs> that's true. Or if you discover a new species, you can always change the name yeah. later. <laughs> or <laughs> you can go in behind other people and change the names that they put on things. You know, that's what I was <laughs> That's funny. So uh, Schmidt made collecting expeditions to Puerto Rico in 1919, Honduras in 1923, Brazil in 1926, and Guatemala in 1933, 1934 and also to Israel in 1953. So he would go to these places. Um, he wasn't necessarily always doing the discovering. Sometimes he was just collecting or samples studying. to identify sure. or studying them. Okay. Um, he became the editor of the herpetology, and I'm going to need your guys' help, the study of fish ichthyology. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I can pronounce things. Oh my gosh. I did pronounce, I did practice that one this morning. I won't lie. <laughs> so he became the editor of the magazine Copia, which basically embodied reptiles, amphibians, and fish. Okay. He was the editor from 1937 to 1949. He also served in the U.S. Army and became the chief curator of zoology at the Field Museum in 1941 and was there for uh, 14 years. He donated over 15,000 titles of herpetological literature to the foundation that would later become the Carl P. Schmidt Memorial Herpetological Library at the Field Museum. So he did so much for this field. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> this makes me feel really bad about myself. <laughs> he was really old by the end of all that. Yeah. So oh, okay. You're still really I, yeah, I have time then. I have <laughs> time. So okay, time. that makes me feel a little bit better. I was like, wow. <laughs> couple more things about his background. Oh, gosh. He was the president of the American Society of Ichthyologists and Herpetologists from 1942 to 1946. He was so successful in his field in terms of identifying animals that he named 200 species. Now, he didn't discover all these, like I said, but basically people would bring him a species and he would classify them. And if they weren't classified previously, he would name them. Well, that's kind of hmm. lame that the person that found them couldn't, but... I get it. Well, I think a lot of people were like, hey, I found a snake. What is it? <laughs> like, basically, that's what... Right, and he's like, I don't know. Let's find out. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. And then sometimes he would give them their name. And also, he Did was... he ever name anything after himself? I'm not sure. I think I would. Probably. I he... feel like everyone does. Yeah, at least one. Yeah. He wrote 150 papers and books total on herpetology over the course of his career. Dang. He must have really loved herps. I don't know if we can say that. Perhaps <laughs> <laughs> in the case of <laughs> animals. No, go ahead. Dig yourself out of this one. I want to see it. No, I can't. No, that's what they call it. Right? Like, yeah. You know what? Call me herps. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm not. That I like. <laughs> I'm not completely fun. wrong. It's not like gigging for frogs, literally. <laughs> I mean. Uh, you like flip over a bunch of stuff and see what comes out and try not to get bit. See, that's what we do on a daily basis. I knew Anna was coming yeah. in. I wrote this story specifically because I knew you guys would know more than me. <laughs> oh, she knows way more Amphibians than I do. Amphibians and reptiles. Oh, that is not true. We know different things, but we know equal amounts. That's true. You know what? I like, I should, we should keep her on the podcast. Yeah, she should got a lot better about myself. She's not very lie. encouraging. Yeah, yeah. Wait till we get into math and geography. Oh, We're God. terrible at those. Oh, I. Yeah. No, Okay. That's no. what Jack's here for you. Yeah, <laughs> if we have really hard history stuff, we'll either call our dad or Jack because we're like, we don't know what's happening. Without Google Maps, I'd be very lost. Mm-hmm. 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 I don't know where any country is. Yeah, that's yeah. so. Or either. state. Yeah, I'm iffy about the states too. <laughs> I remember in high school, I, it was like 11th grade or something, and we had to do map tests because our teacher got disappointed that none of us knew where all the states were, and I was like... I don't know what to tell. And I failed like three times. We had to keep going until we got 100. <laughs> and it's I was, hard. Yeah, it is hard. You get to like the mid Midwest and like the Everything southern United States. Everything that's square, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know. Anyway. I mean, I, by I know, I mean I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know how hard it is. So, in 1957, Schmidt was working at the Natural History Museum in Chicago, Illinois. That year, in late September, someone from the Lincoln Park Zoo brought in a 30-inch snake to the museum for help identifying the creature. 
being well adept in identifying snake species, as we've mentioned, Carl agreed to look at the snake. Does this every day. But it wasn't a snake at all. Yeah. Oh, okay. it was a snake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> On September 25th, Schmidt noted that the snake was native to Africa, covered in brightly colored patterns, and had a head shape similar to that of a boomslang snake. The boomslang snakes are venomous and found in sub-Saharan Africa. He had his doubts on this classification being accurate, though, as he noted that the snake's, quote, anal plate was undivided. While boomslang snakes have a divided anal plate. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's like, could it's be. close, but, but I don't no know. cigar. Right. If you want to classify something, what's the next thing that you do? Let it bite you to see if it's venomous or not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say you get a closer look. <laughs> I mean, that would be a close look. Let it bite you. Yeah, yeah. You're jumping ahead. How how related is it? So, that's exactly what Carl Schmidt did. He picked up the snake to look at it closer. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me just say this. Don't let snakes bite you. Don't let them bite you (laughs) to see if they're venomous. Okay, continue. I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to put public service announcement. Please don't let snakes bite you. So, uh, Schmidt picked up the snake for a closer examination, and it darted out and bit him on his left thumb. Well? The creature left two three-millimeter deep bloody puncture wounds on the herpetologist's hand. Ouch. Was he nervous that it was venomous? Well, boom-slaying snakes are very venomous. Well, I know. That's why, if it's related to this... He began sucking on the wound to try and remove the venom, um, which, from my research, is not what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Not at all. So, we're going to talk about what you do (laughs) if you get bit by a snake. Welcome, Bear Grylls. No, I'm just kidding. Don't you, like, tie off the area? You're supposed to cut off circulation or or something, right? Like, as fast as you can. I mean, obviously, you want to get somewhere that has an anti-venom and know exactly what type of snake bit you, which would be difficult in his case Mm -hmm. if he doesn't know. Or have the snake with you, I guess. Yeah, if you have the snake, you can bring it with you, but you definitely don't want to be sucking because that's just going to increase circulation. So, according to the Mayo Clinic, if you are bitten by a snake, you should immediately call 911 Mm -hmm. or your local emergency number, especially if the bitten area changes color, begins to swell, or becomes painful. If possible, you should take these steps while waiting for medical help. Move beyond the snake's striking distance so you don't get bit again. (laughs) Remain still and calm to help slow the spread of venom. Mm -hmm. Remove jewelry and tight clothing before you start to swell. Position yourself if possible so the bite is at or below the level of your heart so Mm -hmm. that your heart's not pumping more blood through the area. Clean the wound with soap and water and cover it with a clean, dry dressing. There's an area that says, caution, do not use a tourniquet or apply ice. Do not cut the wound. Do not drink caffeine or alcohol because those could thin your blood. And speed the absorption Yeah, yeah speed venom. up your heart rate too, right? You should not cut the wound. You should not mm. suck on the wound. You yeah. shouldn't do those things. Do not try to capture the snake. Try to remember <laughs> its color and shape so you can describe it. That'll help your treatment. If you have a smartphone with you, take a picture of the snake. <laughs> Outside of its striking distance, though. Outside of the striking distance, please. Symptoms of a snake bite can include puncture marks at the wound, redness, swelling, bruising, bleeding, blistering around the bite, severe pain, tenderness of the sight, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, labored breathing, rapid heart rate, disturbed vision, metallic mint or rubber taste in your mouth. What a difference. Metallic <laughs> anything, mint or rubber. Anything that's 
Not great. Not the usual. Increased salivation and sweating, numbness and tingling, muscle twitching. Any of those things can happen if you're in that situation. That's also a very general list, too, of symptoms. Yeah. It right. it depends on mm-hmm. if it's a neurotoxin or mm-hmm. whatever. blood one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Yes, because there's worse things that Depends go. on what kind of snake it is. Um, in West Virginia, the two venomous snakes that we have are? Timber rattle. And? Copperheads. Oh. oh. That's the only things that I could find when I looked it up. Yeah, the so. Department of Agriculture for West Virginia mm-hmm. had listed those, and they also have a list of things. It's a nice little PowerPoint of what to do and what those snakes look oh. like. Um, venomous snakes have uh, more of a pointed head, diamond-shaped head, mm-hmm. in some places in the United States. Yeah, only. yeah. 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 I was in like, cause... other parts of the world, <laughs> it, that is not true, around. right? Except for coral snakes. <laughs> coral snakes do have a round-shaped head here in the United States, but you can tell them by the Red touches black, friend of Jack. Red touches yellow, kill a fellow. Which refers to their banded coloration. question that I get the most at the zoo is people always ask if our snakes are venomous because they have the point, like the triangle shaped head, but they're not because they're not from the United States. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have to insert that, like, not everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. But just in general, just leave snakes alone. Sure, leave them alone. <laughs> All snakes, just leave so, them alone. So tell me again. Red touches... <laughs> red touches black, friend of Jack. Okay. Red which, touches yellow, kill a fellow. Yes, yeah. and the oh, red touches okay. black is for the... Scarlet oh, king snake? king snake, yeah. But the reason they look similar is because they're trying to look, look dangerous. dangerous. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. That's why it's so difficult to tell. So, back to our good buddy... Carl Schmidt. He began to suck on the wound to remove the venom. I would think, as a herpetologist, he would know better, but this was also in the 1950s. Yeah, they might not have figured that out yet. Right. So, what do you think he did next? Cut his thumb off? I hope he spit out what he used. I think so. <laughs> what did After he do that. next? Um... All did he call him? No, he definitely did. No. This story wouldn't be happening. He probably went home to sleep it off. He grabbed his journal and started documenting the effects of the venom. Oh, yep, okay. <laughs> well, yep. <laughs> then he took the train home from work. Yep, mm-hmm. sacrifice for what you love, I guess, huh? <laughs> I do have a quick question that is backtracking a little bit. Did he put the snake back like, in what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't think he took you it You said he went to grab it and jumped out and bit his hand. And then no, that he was picked him. it up and it bit him. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if he, like, dropped it and then, like, got out. It's like, hey, guys, there's a snake loose. Right, it <laughs> got out somewhere. Okay, good. No, so, I think he put it back in its container. I'm not sure, but I'm assuming. <laughs> right, 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 right. So he recorded the following. Quote, 4.30 to 5.30 p.m., strong nausea but without vomiting, during a trip homeward, went on a suburban train. 5.30 to 6.30 p.m., strong chill and shaking, followed by a fever of 101.7. Bleeding of mucous membranes in the mouth began about 5.30, apparently mostly from gums. 8.30 p.m., ate two pieces of milk toast. Milk toast apparently is a popular item. (laughs) It consists of toasted bread and warm milk. He didn't record this. I had to look it up. (laughs) They typically top it with, uh, it's like bread in milk, and then they put on it sugar and butter, sometimes salt, pepper, paprika, cinnamon, cocoa, raisins. It's like oatmeal. Did this help in any way, or did you just find this interesting and wanted to research it? I didn't know what milk toast was. was like, maybe he thought it would help. Maybe it's for an upset stomach. I don't know. I got you. Okay. No, it's just what he did for dinner. (laughs) 
Interesting. Uh, 9 p.m. to 12.20 a.m. Slept well. Urination, 12.20 a.m. Mostly blood, but a small amount. (gasps) Took a glass of water at 4.30 a.m., followed by violent nausea and vomiting. The contents of the stomach being undigested supper, milk toast, felt much better and slept until 6.30 a.m. End quote. After waking up, Schmidt went through his usual morning routine. He ate breakfast and continued recording symptoms. The next entry in his journal read, quote, September 26th, 6.30 a.m., temperature 98.2. Ate cereal and poached eggs on toast and applesauce and coffee for breakfast. No urine with an ounce or so of blood about every three hours. Mouth and nose continuing to bleed, not excessively. The very next and very last thing that Carl Schmidt wrote in his journal was the word excessively. <laughs> so... He bled out? I'm assuming. He, came, he started bleeding excessively. After lunch, around 1.30pm, he vomited and called his wife. By the time help arrived, the herpetologist was unresponsive and covered in a cold sweat. The article I read also said he was not talking, and I'm like, yeah, he was unresponsive. Right, right, right. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, maybe when they poked him, they thought he would. I don't know. Rouse a little bit. Maybe so. The doctor was called and CPR was attempted until he arrived at the hospital. By 3 p.m., 24 hours after he was bitten, Carl Mar- Schmidt was... Per- I almost said Carl Marx. <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> That's not it at all. Carl Schmidt was pronounced dead from, quote, respiration paralysis. So he stopped breathing. So he did breathe. breathe out. Uh, the autopsy report showed bleeding from his lungs, eyes, heart, kidneys, and brain. Jesus. Okay, <laughs> well, I think he bled out, but they... When they pronounced him dead, they're like, he's not breathing anymore. CPR's not working. Yeah. We're oh, calling okay. it this until the autopsy. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so was it a boom slang snake? Well, that is what boom slang venom does. It causes disseminated intravascular coagulation, or DIC, which basically makes your victims bleed to death because it causes you to produce tiny, tiny clots constantly, mm. and then your body's like, I'm done producing clots. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and then you bleed out. Because it won't clot. That's terrible. The Chicago Daily Tribune wrote that Schmidt was advised to seek medical attention just hours prior to his death, but he refused by saying, quote, no, that would just upset the symptoms. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) I think, like, he should have gone to the hospital and then been like, hey, I'm going to record the symptoms until it gets too bad, and then we can try to do something. So the resource I got this material from said... Some people believe this is a classic case of, quote, curiosity killing the scientist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, okay, he did it for the sake of science, maybe. Some believed he didn't think the snake was mature enough to deliver a fatal blow because it was a young, it would have been a young boomslang snake. Okay. Um. Is that right? No. Okay, so then uh, that's a myth, but yeah. he thought it was He thought possible. that was, okay. I yeah. Get, yeah, I mean, it was, what, the fifth? Yeah, 1957. Mm-hmm. Mom, welcome to... Oh, that's the 60s. <laughs> close. 60s. Very close. Uh, uh. Um, so even 0.0006 milligrams of boomslang venom can kill a bird in under minutes. So, like, it only takes a little bit anyway to yeah. kill an animal. Some say that he may have been working off the notion that rear-fanged snakes are not dangerous. He doesn't put that in his journal. Mm -hmm. Some people just assumed maybe he thought this, maybe he thought that. But I agree with those who believe 
that Schmidt knew exactly what he was doing. He knew that Boomslang anti-venom was only available in Africa and basically said, uh, I'm going to die anyway. So let's just record it. Might as well do it for science. Interesting. Mm-hmm. The Boomslang snake is very cute. They're very colorful. Very, yeah. Except when its mouth is open, it's a little bit scary. But, scary. but like... But still. Looking at its fangs, though, those are very interesting fangs. Oh, that's what you mean by rear... Did you say it has rear-facing... Some people said gotcha. rear-fanged snakes. Yeah. People think they're not dangerous. People thought they weren't dangerous. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. I wonder why they think that or thought that. I don't know. They might just not have known much about them. Mm-hmm. Still trying to classify them and say, okay, with this characteristic, this makes it dangerous or doesn't. Well... Yeah. We figured out that that was wrong. Mm-hmm. Did he tell his wife that he was sick, or did he just call her when he was like, listen, I don't, <laughs> I'm dying. It doesn't say. Right? Because that's another concern of mine, that he was like, by the way, I got bit by a snake like 24 your, hours yeah. ago. <laughs> by the way, I got bit 24 hours ago. I just didn't want to worry you. Um, can you call 911? <laughs> kind of. I think he probably called her to say, hey, listen, I'm going to die, just so you know. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But I don't know what he said. People don't have a ton of information about him. I saw something about him on a TikTok. Yeah. And then when I started looking it up, there are different accounts of, like, why he didn't go seek treatment. I, I think I agree with he probably realized that he wasn't going to get but how long does it take to make anti antivenom? I don't know because you have to know how to make it too. Like yeah. if they haven't made boomslang antivenom before, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Gotta have some kind of recipe, I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, and most places only have antivenoms for the snakes that are in the native. Area. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have buy a venomous snake that, like, at a zoo or mm-hmm. a private collection, you should have the antivenom on there. hand. Right. Yeah, I was listening to this podcast that talked about this woman who got bit by a snake in, it might have been West Virginia, actually, Um, but it was like one of those church handling snake, like, snake Mm -hmm. handling churches, not church handling snakes, excuse me. Um, (laughs) but, But it was a whole big thing where she said that somebody... It became a whole big thing where she said somebody made her touch the snake on purpose at gunpoint or something like that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But they didn't have it. And there was only, like, one hospital in the area that had it. But it was, like, an hour or so away. So they mm-hmm. had to basically, like, try to keep her stable until mm-hmm. she got to that specific hospital. Because it was the only one that had it that was close. Yeah. So. Yeah. Also, I hope he didn't take the snake on the bus because then we'd have to get back to our snakes. Snakes on the snakes bus, on the yeah. Bus. <laughs> or on yeah. the train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did an episode where people carried snakes onto bus on public transit. Mm-hmm. The one guy was using his in place of a mask <laughs> during COVID. In place of a mask? Yeah, he thought it looked enough like one of those facial coverings. It and did. People thought, people so thought it was like... until it moved. <laughs> and it moved. <laughs> And then someone had a pet snake and then, like, forgot it and left it on the bus or something like that. It was... None of them were venomous, though, I don't think. No. Those were not. Well, the one they weren't sure because it got away before. Oh, no, yeah. the guy that had the mask went on. They didn't know. Because he, he got left. off the bus and just, yeah. like, walked off the bus. They, like, didn't find him. Why would you do that, though? <laughs> Listen. Why not? Who knows? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> There's a couple reasons. So, that is the end of my story. I feel better now. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Got it all out there. Do you think that you will be able to now sleep as snug as a bug in a rug, or is this going to keep you up forever? Do you feel like you're sharing my burden now? Did you have now? a dream about this? Yeah. Did you dream that you were Carl and got bit? Yeah. Or did you no. dream you were the snake and bit Carl? No, no, And no. it's like a Harry Potter thing. I dreamed that I needed to write a story about oh. it. Uh, <laughs> and that I was, like, behind on my deadline oh that my doesn't God. exist. Carl Schmidt came to you as a ghost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and put it in your brain. He said, tell my story. Probably. To all 40 did listeners. Did you see this thumb? <laughs> And you're like, no, it fell off because it's gone. <laughs> Bled a lot everywhere. It That's did gross. nothing about it. I mean, there's nothing they could yeah. do. If yeah. If there was really no anti-venom there, I don't know what they would have done. Try to keep them stable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give them a stable blood as you transfusion. Can. Yeah. I don't Maybe. know. I don't know. I I know nothing about treating snake bites. What I know is antivenom. <laughs> know what type yeah. of snake it is and go from there. Yeah, I know what type of snake it is. Stay away from snakes. And he's like, I think it's a boom slang. Yeah. Which, by the way, great name. Mm-hmm. A boom slang snake. It's very cute. It's yeah. adorable. Anna, do you think this story will keep you up at night? Or will you still be able to sleep? Snake is on the run. I will still be able to sleep. <laughs> um, mostly because I did a research project in college similar to this oh on a specific snake or just snakes in general um i went on a herping expedition lovely we were just looking for snakes and tagging them and taking measurements so we didn't know what we were grabbing right Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. We had a pretty good idea what they were, (laughs) but until we got hands on them, we didn't really know, so. Oh, that's fascinating. No one got bit, thankfully, but, Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you use, like, the sticks with the hook on the end? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so we used um, really long snake hooks, and then we had a couple people, like, one person would be in charge of flipping up the rock, and then the others would be in charge of, like, putting the snake hook on the head so it couldn't move, Mm -hmm. and then somebody would lift it up and then the other person was ready with the bag oh god this sounds like a lot of coordination that i do not i don't have teamwork makes the dream work yeah that's absolutely true being from being a biting contact sport (laughs) wait (laughs) you almost had it's still a contact sport because the snake is being contacted you almost got there i think that i will still be able to sleep all right because once again we've done a story about animals or things that do not happen where we live Yes. So hopefully I will never come in contact but with But you don't know. Because, You're right. Because. But now, but now that I've listened to the story, I've looked it up. I know what they look like, so I know to stay away from them. But Although people, I'm not going to go pick up snakes anyway. People bring mm-hmm. you guys birds. That's different. Do you, they don't bring you snakes, though. They don't bring you reptiles? <laughs> no. Not you. I mean, but I'm they, not going to say. No, I don't think we can take them, but that doesn't mean nobody's going to be like, leave them on the doorstep. Knock knock. Who dis? <laughs> snake. Who dis? Boom slay. Snake. Well, I wouldn't be touching that snake anyway, though. I'm just saying that a lot of people ask to see venomous snakes at the zoo. So if we do a new exhibit, that's all venomous. Request for boom slang specifically. <laughs> if we're gonna do this, we're gonna have the cutest one possible. If we're gonna do this, we're gonna go hard or go home. Go hard or yes. go home. If you keep venomous snakes, do you have to keep anti venom at the zoo? We would either have it, we'd have to probably have a hospital close by. I think at my last facility, they had anti venom on site. 
mm-hmm. but they also had different protocol for how you work with them. So it was always two people there. Mm-hmm. One always being the person, like the herpetologist, um, and then the other being somebody trained in snakes. That's scary. Mm. I don't think I would want to do that. No. The Atlanta Zoo keeps their own anti-venom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to have it close. I bet that's part yeah. of, like, the license to have that animal. Well, it probably depends on how venomous the snake is, too, because, like, do you have hours or do you have... M- minutes. Very little time. Yeah. There's the 100-pace snake in Asia or Africa that you can only walk 100 paces until you die. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, that's terrifying. That's actually one of the things... You said don't move around a bunch, I think, whenever mm-hmm. we were talking about yeah. things to do if you get bit. But one of the articles I read said um, if if you're in, if you're bitten by either a timber rattlesnake or a copperhead, you could walk 20 minutes to help. Mm-hmm. But if you are going to have to walk more than 20 minutes, you should be carried out of the area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you're circulating too Yeah, much you blood. have to think anything that's going to pump, get your heart pumping faster is mm-hmm. going to cause it to... Mm-hmm circulate faster exercise caffeine like all that stuff you don't want to do you don't want to panic because if your heart rate goes up because you're panicking that's why they'd mm-hmm. say to try to stay calm yeah it's all like stay calm do yeah. not panic move away from how would you snake. that'd be so hard not to panic though carl didn't seem panicked at all well he knew he already accepted his fate he was like oh mm, it was probably like not this. his first bite though that's true well that's the thing like he had to have been bitten before right it's just mm-hmm. one mistake and that's all you need. So do you know what type of venom the copperhead or uh, timber rattle is? I feel like you do. I do not. I can I, look it up. I don't know. Uh, they're pit vipers. They're in the pit viper family. Yeah, but are they a neurotoxin, a hemotoxin? Oh, I'm not Copperhead sure. venom. Pit viper venom is highly complex mix of toxins... Including meta-alloy proteinases okay. that cause local tissue destruction and thrombin-like proteins that cause a coagulopathy. Coagulopathy. Thank you. Some species have venom with significant amounts of neurotoxins such as phospholipase A2 that block nerve transmission. So, neurotoxins. Timber rattlesnake venom is considered a hemotoxin, is what this says. Mm. Oh, well, this one just said that they are a combination of... That's pop. I mean, that's probably true. So, don't get bit by them. Yeah. Just leave them alone. <laughs> Snakes do not chase you. Yeah. Unless you are in their territory. So just slowly back away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'll leave you alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wear long pants and boots when you're hiking. Watch mm-hmm. where you step. Yeah. Absolutely. If you're jumping over trees that have fallen, take a stick and kind of pat the other side of the tree. Oh. So if something is there, you kind of warn it before you jump over. I, sense. I did um, read something or see something when I started looking this up that was basically like, yeah, you'll hear a rattlesnake com- like near you unless it was a, like sunning itself in yeah. sleep and you snuck up on it. Yeah. Like, the, no, it's not going to give you a warning. So No, and it's going to be scared. I mean, their first instinct is going to bite if you, mm-hmm. like, scare them. So, sure. like... Bite first, ask questions later. Yeah, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Snake philosophy. <laughs> philosophy of the snakes. And we're getting off topic. Any, <laughs> any final comments that anyone may have? 
No, uh, if you have ever been bitten by a poisonous snake, please <laughs> let us know. Snake. What did I say? Poisonous. poisonous. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Explain the difference between poison and venomous for those people out there and for me, because I know it's wrong. Yeah. Okay. So oh, Anna knows. I know. No, she's our guest. She's our guest star. Um, if you eat it and you get sick, it's poisonous. If it bites you and you get sick, it's venomous. Yeah. What if I touch a poisonous frog and then lick my hand? No, I have... Oh. Uh, well, that is still poisonous. Because you ate it? Yeah, because yeah, you, okay. you licked hand. your hand. What if you touch a poisonous frog and then your hand falls off? Have you ever seen... That's still... Is it still poison? poison. <laughs> okay, so it's only if it bites you. <laughs> is it venom? Uh, well, it has to inject the venom. I see, you. I see, I see, I see. Okay. So spider's it's, venom. Hold on. Have you guys ever seen the... <laughs> It's like a thing from Tumblr, but it's like, if you bite it and you die, it's poisonous. If it bites you and you die, it's venomous. What if it bites me and it dies? That means you're poisonous. What if it bites itself and I die? That's voodoo. What if it bites me and someone else dies? That's correlation, not causation. What if we bite each other and neither of us die? That's kinky. (laughs) I like that. You know what? I'm glad I messed it up because we got here. That's the only thing I can think of when you ask that question. So, if you have a story about um, you being bitten by a venomous snake, or a non-venomous snake, or a herping expedition, please uh, let us know. You can email us, podcast at gmail.com. You can also DM us and look at our photos on our Instagram and Twitter, at podcast. You can also go to our Facebook page, which is just bug in a rug. Yeah. Thank you, Anna, for being here. Thanks. For I didn't me. realize how perfect this episode was. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Experience. You know what? Maybe like, like the the world just knew that you, Carl like, Schmidt, knew you were coming. Right, and, and he made you have a dream about it. So you woke mm-hmm. up early, and it was just yeah, it's perfect. Anyway, yeah. So very appreciative of you. Come yeah. back anytime. Yes, please. <laughs> Especially when we talk about herbs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But all right, I guess we're done. Signing off, I'm Caitlin. I'm Whitney. I'm Anna. Bye. Sleep tight. (laughs)